Hello and welcome back to The Dive. Now, you guys say welcome back to me. Welcome back to welcome The Dive, back, Kobe. Oh, we missed you, Kobe. So oh my God, I miss you guys too. What Thank season you. episode is it though, Kobe? I was just about to say it. I was you... very curious. I'm sorry, I couldn't wait. Uh, it's six, episode number 17. Ooh. Oh my God. Special two-part episode, actually. Uh, this might sound a little weird for viewers because... We did a 37-minute long interview with two of the LOL Balance Team devs that we actually recorded before this, but we're going to put it afterwards uh, so that you get Mark first thing in the morning. I demanded I could sleep in more since I yeah. showed up. For the, <laughs> then they can record their thing. I'll show up later. Yeah. So uh, so we'll run through all the LCS. you a little bit at the start, but now it's going to be you know out oh, of order. I but I just felt you should know that. Also, yeah. I, I remember because Mark one time had this Pokemon... Uh, uh-oh. Sweater. I found one at the mall, too. Oh, you I went to the me same. Out. Yeah. You got a long sleeve, though. <laughs> I saw it, and I decided to buy it. Yeah, because the shirt, the cut, were, were, you, you, you don't, don't like, wear you that don't for like the, the other part. part. No, it looks stupid. I didn't want to say What the hell? You, Yours didn't look stupid. You don't stupid. tell me off camera. On camera, you're like, by the way, I've seen you in that shirt six times. You look never like an idiot. Anything, but you look so dumb in that. I can't yeah. believe you wear that. Unlike mine. I said that to you during the episode. <laughs> no, no preference. I've worn it a bunch of times. And I'm like, you know, dude. You know that shirt you wear all the time? You think you look really good. Yeah, you know what, Kobe? You look Your so dumb. Your aesthetic sucks. I just never <laughs> felt like telling you before, but now suddenly I'm motivated to tell you that you look dumb it's, all the time. It's just the cut of the shirt is a little weird. You, you just know. couldn't pull it off, so you need, feel need to drag me down. I yeah. pull it you off. You know, Mark, True. you look great. You know what? I don't even care because a lot of people tweeted at me after the first time I wore that. Like, the Vaporeon one? Get? Yeah. It's a cool shirt. Well, yeah. I hope mine is as cool. I got Meowth because I always thought Meowth was the Because of Cat for Kobe? Oh. He yes. have a cat, so. Yes, and... <laughs> <laughs> he's the cool he's he's the only cool member of team rocket let's be honest uh so keeping with you're trying to search for a cool member maybe like giovanni or something no i was just saying like jesse and james are pretty funny they're classics they're yeah classics. but they're they're like too dumb i feel like yeah wabafet sucks he was a bad addition when i was like eight or whatever i was when i was watching pokemon though i like jesse and james yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I liked me out. So, there you go. Uh, All right. Well, LCS. Keeping, in, in keeping with our plan to strictly stay to LCS and get through this Whoops. as quickly as possible, <laughs> let's start with the standings, baby. Um, we'll go right down from the top because it's really exciting. CLG, your boys at the top, the age. representing. I know we didn't have uh, my graphic for the power rankings, but I did have them. Them up. But there. we settled. Well, Would you have rankings. them again? Okay. Nice. Yeah. Seventh? What did you have them at? Uh, it was either fifth or sixth. I think sixth, yeah. probably. In the episode, we mentioned all, uh, where you had them, for, nice. for especially for the big stand. But yeah. uh, the improvement, the, the reasons for them, because I wasn't here for, for the reasons, yeah. um, is that Doka actually has improved big so goes. much, and he's not, fans are not going to give him credit for that, right? You know, no. let's be honest. Not a lot of them are going to, are watching the Academy games, uh, and a lot of the work that <laughs> Dokla, uh has been putting in, and it's, it's it's bringing a new like focus to CLG because I talked to those guys a lot. Um, and they all went over to Korea and played Sokyu and scrims, mm -hmm. and that's one of the reasons they had this interesting take on the meta um, and and adopted to it really quickly. I think and effectively utilized a lot of the big power points, you know, like the Senna, Seraphine. Um, the, these types of things. And they still kept some of the tenants of the improvements that they used last split in some of the successful games. Uh, you know, like Palafox really intensely focusing on other lanes, you know, him really looking not just for 
the classic Palafox like melee mid lane carry for himself. But you know, looking to set up both side lanes now that they have Dokla aggressive top and Luger to carry for later for bottom. I'm stoked. I put them six last split. I was just a split too early, you know. Yeah, yeah, I lost exactly. Faith. I lost my faith for your time. I know. I was sad, but I'm I'm very happy to be wrong, and I'm ready to like completely be like, yep, tenth place was too low. They're even regardless yeah. of what happens the rest of the split, they won't be yeah. the last place team. Uh, Dokla impressed. I knew he would be an upgrade. I just said I don't know if he'll actually be a carry threat. But then they played through him a fair amount. Like the problem last split was like it was Luger or bust, mm -hmm. and that was it. And exactly. like, the bot their bot lane does sometimes make mistakes. You can see it even this weekend. They died a couple times in that Silver game. But <laughs> I love that by the way. When he starts tier, he has teleport and he doesn't care. He's still up there getting like one minion of experience instead of waiting for Poom to come back and he dies. And he just buys a coal and teleports back and keeps on farming, baby. I was cracking up. That guy's hungry. He's, he's farming. He's feeding himself. I was himself. cracking up. That's how you play Sivir. Tear and coal. <laughs> You're there for the late game. And teleport and farm. Um, but I think what impressed me the most was Dokla playing Jace, a champion that is maligned in NA as like, a, oh, God, NA Jace. And he picked it and he had good performances on it. They kind mm -hmm. of played through it through lane phase. And I, I did like their comps as a whole. A lot of the times they were just ball comps. Um but I was I was impressed. I, I was yeah. very happy to see that. Like, hey, actually, they they made a lot of improvements. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm much more bought in than I was. Um, you know, like we talked about this a lot last week. But it's like six through ten to me was like I didn't see a big gap between any of these teams, so I wouldn't mm -hmm. have been shocked really of any rearrangement there. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of now where I'm like willing to rearrange CLG two is like. The upper end of the six through ten, um, Dokla obviously, and he should, you know, had had much more kind of lost, lofty aspirations. He was talking on 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 the desk, you know, about how like their goal was, you know, top three for worlds, um, and like that's kind of that's lofty. That's, that's like where he was seeing them as more like you know going for the top three. Um, and Dokla also, I was surprised by the interviews. Yeah, I was surprised by <laughs> the fact that like he was only giving respect to Bwipo and Impact, right? And even when he got like asked about someday, he was basically like, nope. <laughs> and, and it was like you know because as, as soon as soon as he only said those two i was like come on somebody ask him about someday yeah and then jad or whoever was like well what about someday and, and he was just like he's like did i stutter yeah exactly <laughs> like did you hear me boy um i was surprised by that and also i mean fudge to a lesser extent i guess because fudge is role swapping back but fudge when he left top lane yeah. was really really good mm -hmm. and also i i thought that individually fudge was also pretty impressive this weekend yeah um so I still have a, a lot of faith in him. Um, so I was surprised by that. You know, like if Dokla really sees himself as the number three top laner in the league, because like that's basically how he was how he was framing it, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not that bought in at all, um, like to like that degree. Uh, and I would also say I still have concerns about what does this team look like without the kind of like Senna slash Seraphim bot stuff. They did play without it in their in their game number three. They brought out the Sona, but that game to me was more of a, a Golden Guardians throw than a than a CLG win. To be honest, I thought Golden sure. Guardians had had the like you know had like kind of outscaled and they had these here and all this stuff and they were in a good then position they gave a free baron. and then they gave a free baron and then even after that like their their fight was really really bad that lost but <laughs> TLG still even disregarding that I love that they came out with a strong read on the meta 
I'm really interested to see if they have multiple like kind of reads or, or play styles. And they were, you know, much more of a threat than I thought they were going to be. You know, so big, big uh, thumbs up to, to Contracts and Dokla. And the whole team should be proud about their first week. Excuse me. That Baron was not free. It was not a throw. It was bought by the wall. <laughs> yeah, the wall. <laughs> that ballot box built. That was, to me, <laughs> the funniest moment of the whole weekend. I was dying. <laughs> where they He did the wall. It freaks so excited. And literally everybody's just... Oh, like there's five gyms of a dash is free. Jumping over it. And then Azir waits like literally half a second at it before <laughs> the ball back down um but then, clones over, but the then yeah. over, they all... uh but then yeah going guardians just leave after that yeah. because uh you know for whatever reason they decided they never let them know your next move <laughs> exactly it's one <laughs> thing though um that actually kind of ties all, all our top teams together is that our top teams are our three and zero teams a lot of them were investing picks in high damage in this durability patch mm -hmm. and that high damage guess what baron did not get durability update so clg actually burned that baron really quickly uh golden gardens thought they had time to go back to base and they immediately came back towards baron and they scryers it but it's too late you know mm -hmm. you you recalled clg were all at it and they've got a carry top winner you know they have this four four and a half damage team uh, that can kill it really quickly. So I, I think that's that was pretty interesting. And the fact that we had a lot of success of teams that were willing to embrace and still play damage, you know, and a lot of aggressive moves. Yeah, I, I'm I'm very happy for CLG. I was doing a on stream like blind, like nameplates off power ranking, like wipe your mind of the orgs, try and forget literally everything but the games this weekend. And I think you can even make a case that like that's them good. you're going to need to wipe your mind of the, the Bud Light Ace. <laughs> We're forgetting all that. This is a brand new org. And I was like, who would be better? In your mind, obviously, I think a lot of people put Team Liquid 1 because the perfect game and whatnot. But, like, it's actually, I think, fairly arguable between CLG and EG who had the more impressive weekend. I think strength of schedule really kills your argument. Well, you don't know the strength of schedule in theory because it's, like, mind-wiped. In theory. Ah, see? Mind-wipe. You mind-wipe yourself. Nice. That yeah. was a good lawyer move okay. right there. You've mind-wiped. You don't know anything about any team <laughs> in the league. Yeah. It's, it's like you're just tuning into a brand-new region you've never watched before. Okay. Um, you know, which team would you think had a more impressive weekend? And like, it's back and I forth. I can see that then. The, yeah, the argument being like, EG fell behind pretty heavily to C9 in that game. They lost to Baron, yeah. you know. So like, yeah. it's close, it's debatable. But I think that's cool that in theory, CLG is one of the best teams in the league right now. I think yeah. when you do factor in... You just gotta smooth your brain out a yeah. little bit. Yeah, you get rid of some of those wrinkles, <laughs> little buff them out. Those buff right out. They beat, so they beat Golden Guardians, TSM, and Dig. Yeah. Um, EG played FlyQuest, 100 Thieves, and C9. Yeah, so obviously taking into what we all actually know, CLG yeah. had a very easy strength of schedule and they'll probably not stay undefeated they play or tied. <gasps> they have know. FlyQuest and EG this weekend. Yeah, so so it'll be a good test for them. And I think yeah. to see actually how good they are or was this like, you're clearly better than some of the teams that were in that six to 10 shuffle you were talking about. I mean, if, CL, if CLG, like, I'm like, CLG, I believe that you're like a six, six-ish team, six, yeah. seven, something like that. I think that they could, they could fall down. Um, we'll have to see. Like, I will be bought in after this weekend if they perform well again this weekend because I do think most teams' read is going to be what Golden Guardians showed us. Everyone's going to ban Seraphine and Senna, right? Mm -hmm. And and show that you can actually perform. Yeah. If that happens this weekend and they still look good, then then I'm pretty sold. Um, because I think like if CLG finished fifth, sixth, like that's a coup. Like that's amazing. Yeah. You know, for for this organ for this roster. So um, maybe they really are getting un undervalued. Um, but I think they still have a little bit more proving, even though it was an extremely impressive week one. Yeah. Uh, Team Liquid doesn't have anything else to prove. 
uh, <laughs> on the complete opposite end of the scale because they're retaining, you know, they the high-powered uh, veteran roster. This this is the one that I feel like nobody had questions on. Um, I yeah. still, I was like, okay, they're they're almost always our most consistent top team yeah. um, for the, since franchising basically uh, for LCS. There was that one blip year uh, that they blip split even because by summer they they yeah around. exactly, yeah. Um, but. To me, it was even better than I expected because Bjergsen played aggressively. They even slammed. even though last year he got voted first team uh, for mid lane for all LCS team, it was like, ah, uh, you know, mid lane overall is kind of soft. It's and kind of because there wasn't a better candidate exactly. rather than he's dominated. And it was like arguable, the other positions. But yeah. especially the LeBlanc game, I was like, damn, this is some yeah. vintage Bjergsen. He's getting in there. They're looking aggressive. And in their interviews from the Team Liquid uh, players as well, they're all talking about, yeah, we're going to pl keep playing aggressive, even if right now it's durability patch. Um, you know, we want to create our own advantages. And it sounds like, you know, Core JJ really trying to, to lead that charge. And they want to play through bottom a lot too. And that to me was better than I expected yeah. for Team Liquid. So um, they... I think even though strength of schedule again comes in comes into question, but uh, they can't have done they look, more. Than they look what great, they exactly. Yeah. With what they were were given, they stomped it, and they got a perfect game. perfect game and two absolute stomps. Yeah. Um, and I, I was really happy with, with what we saw from Bwepo too. Like even just the champion wise, like I watched a ton of him playing in Korea and boot camping, and like these were his big three champions in in Korean Challenger. Uh, you know the Swain, the Olaf, and the Mordekaiser. And then I was thinking. All right, well, Olaf just got nerfed for top lane in the, in the micro patch. Swain just got nerfed for top lane. I was like, ah, crap, are we just not going to get them? And then he got he brought them all out. They all looked really good. So I was really excited by that because I I felt like this patch was going to be so good for him and um, and him to bring out those three champions that like were the big three that I had kind of identified from him, you know, in solo queue and yeah. and slam with him in LCS is just really really exciting because like no one else was playing this stuff. So him to be able to bring out his own style and dominate with it. Uh, is just really, really exciting. I think all three lanes looked insane this weekend. Yeah. Um, Santorum was maybe the most quiet because he's just like facilitating this because bot lane had like the double bubbles the, on the Nami game, the double stuns on the Bard game, like Core JJ and Hans looked insane. The Blippo game on Olaf and Swain, all these things you're talking about, the LeBlanc, like everyone had these insane carry games. 27 minute average game time for them. It's pretty fast. It's That is fast in any meta. That is killing kids quickly. And I'm excited about it because I was worried. I was like starting to like build this like, should Team Liquid fans be worried? Because yes, they're good, but are they going to win a title? Or is this going to be another one of these years where they spend a lot of money, they get second or third, they go to Worlds, they go yeah. three and three, they go out and there's really nothing to be, to like hang your hat on for why it was a great year for them. And this is what I want to see all split long. It's just like crush everybody. Bjergsen was zero deaths the whole year. You, if you die <laughs> once, Bjerg, no, no, no. I, I mean, you had zero deaths this, this weekend. Yeah, it was what like, 20 zero and I don't forget what it was. It was something insane. Yeah, he had 10 kills in, in the last game. <laughs> He's so durable. You just can't <laughs> kill this so guy. He's damn so durable. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> the only buffed Bjerg's durability. Uh, I just want to see this team keep this up because I, I want to yeah. see them dominate because it, this is what we were expecting earlier on. And in spring, they won lock-in, but then they were like... They were first place in regular season. They were first place, but C9 beat them when it was like the big clash. And then, yep. you know, like it just felt like we hadn't seen that next gear. And this was next gear. This is. Um, you know, I think, again, it's like because they had their feelings at the end at the end of the split and, you know, didn't do as well, I guess. Well, I mean, everyone got clapped by EG, but they got clapped by EG at the end. Mm -hmm. um, you know, no one's going to give you the benefit of the doubt until you actually win. And, and I think with this roster, you kind of shouldn't. 
right? Like this roster is is not just supposed to win the region; it's supposed to crush the region. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's why you buy all these stars, and that's why after last year, Teal's just like, well, who's the best players we can add, right? Um, so I mean, there are incredibly high expectations, and there should be for this team. You know, Bwipo, I think. His his start this weekend was reminiscent of how he started uh, in spring, but he definitely did not, you know, maintain that level of dominance. Uh, the first couple of weeks and and Lockin, it was like TL are winning just because of Bwipo. You know, you remember back like the rest of TL wasn't even playing that well, and Bwipo was just like forcing his team to win, right? Um, and I think by the end and in playoffs, Bwipo was just kind of like, yeah, he's good. You know, but he was not dominating by any means. He he wasn't one of the like the best in the league. I, I didn't feel, um, or at least not playing to to his level. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas he started this out like absolutely crushing the Olaf game, especially, but the other games are amazing too. I mean, the Olaf game he did the most damage in the game. When I think in that game that was also a Hansama Ezreal, Ezreal game. Ezreal game. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you're out to Ezreal as an Olaf, like you are slamming right. So uh, if he can maintain that level, then Teal of course are are like you know massive title threat. Meanwhile, Evil Geniuses, baby, put them at rank one, and they just cruise in from MSI. It's those young kids, you know, they don't get hung over, Mark. It doesn't affect— Take another shot! doesn't <laughs> affect the young kids. <laughs> and Impact, uh, you know, he's got the you know hangover cure, so he's fine. <laughs> uh, honestly, though, the EG coming back, and you could see it in immediately, like, some of the first moves that they make, where— you can see some of the the changes in JoJo of what he learned and how like he came back so hungry and wanted to like destroy people in solo queue in lane like the LeBlanc Ari matchup even though he he so messed felt- up the first he messed up the first blood he, he went for the flash play yeah. and you know, he's going backwards you know has the burst damage right then um yeah, you know you gotta expect charm when you're going under the tower for the for the chain. The after redive that. was a little troll. That that was troll, but I, I still like the mindset, you know. Yeah. And and up and even with that, it was just like a little speed bump, and th- he just picks up right where well, they left it, off. You know, looking very aggressive. Um, so they still had what made them win last split, which was crazy good team fighting, better team fighting than everybody else. You know, and, and these aggressive and these aggressive looks, but. They improved in the the couple of the MSI things was uh, some of the laning, but also and and mainly to me was them directing macro throughout all playoffs. Yes, they they went on this crazy run and beat everybody, but it was basically all through. Oh shit, we got to show up at this dragon or this baron and win a team fight, and then they would win the team fight. And you're like, well, they did it again. But this this one this weekend, <laughs> what are you gonna do? <laughs> they did it again. But this weekend they were like. Oh no, we're gonna direct the macro here. Danny pulls off the possible, you know, counterplay on the bottom side of the map while the mm-hmm. other team while the rest of the team takes Harold and forces and is moving the game along. So I think the macro and mid game massively improved mm-hmm. for them while still retaining being, you know, probably still the best uh, team fighting team. Uh Wait for the matchup with Team Liquid, but it's really exciting. I mean, uh, Bjergsen even referenced them in in his interview, like talking about like how how good they looked. Uh, they had three days of scrim practice, yeah. is, is what I had been told, and and like Bjergsen even referenced that. It's like, well, they look pretty good, and they had three days of practice, and he's like, we did like a month boot camp in Korea, and then <laughs> yeah. a couple weeks of scrims. So it's like. That is scary, right? Um, you know, as long as they're not going to burn out or whatever. And I know they had a little bit of time. Um, so so that is good. But like, I mean, Abadaga was kind of getting gapped in lane by everyone. So I won't go on it too much. But like, but the the JoJo LeBlanc game, I mean, 
his initial dive would have killed him pre-durability change, so I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. The redive was troll, but the fact that he came back and then was just stomping him in lane with the enemy being given a first blood, it was like, oh my god, what are you doing to him? Uh, it was it was rough for, for Abba. We'll, we'll get there a little bit, but I also like just the champion diversity that they showed. I mean, yeah. it's not like they're... It doesn't feel like the they're fully... It's not, <laughs> he was the only one. Everyone else played <laughs> unique kidding, champs every single game. Yeah. Danny can only play Ezreal. Yeah, one trick. <laughs> I mean, it's it's probably the best marksman on the current meta, just generally. There's like other things you Besides can... Besides the four that get banned every game? Yeah, I was like, wait a second. Mm, there's the one, like... Of the ones that get three, you ban four, you pick Ezreal, and then you... you of the you, ones that aren't better than it, it's uh, definitely... The Senna's the and all the other ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, go ahead and wipe that brain again, <laughs> and I'm you'll saying, understand. You don't get Sorry, those other ones. It's the best one you're you're going to get in the meta. It's the best you can do. best you can do. You got to settle, settle for Ezreal. Uh, if it's up, you're going to take it. Unless there's all these other ones, but they're not. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> they show a lot of champion diversity. Keep going. Vulcan on uh, Enchanter support was actually something I, I was looking to see. Because he, he's been on Leona Nautilus duty for he was on know, the last three years. And he finally got to, to play something else and, and looked pretty good on them. Also, the, the Braum pick... It was a perfect Braum pick, too. Uh, that was one of the best drafts that I've seen because you're pretty early on, 100 Thieves show that they're going to go. And it's actually nice that we're talking about 100 Thieves next uh, because the, their matchup with EG was uh, you know a perfect picture for both these teams right now, I feel like. Mm -hmm. um, but 100 Thieves show they're going to go. You know, Kaisa Wukong were the first two picks. Uh, I think they followed that up with like Nautilus. They're like, we're going dive! And, um, and EG pulled the the late Braum pick there for Vulcan, which was so, so good for all of their team fights, for all of the counter dive. Um, he, he played it super well in addition to, you know, having the other looks like you're saying. So, yeah, I'm, I'm super, super excited. Never doubted him. EG at the top, baby. Check I was drinking water. What are we? Oh. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I was, was trying to see if you wanted to get back in because you hadn't been talking. <laughs> no, I, I, was, I was like looking at my screen. I was drinking water and then okay. I look up and there's a finger at me like, you're next. Okay. Like, oh, shoot. I was um, so I called on in class when you're facing out the window. 100 Thieves? Yeah, we can jump to 100 Thieves. Um, 100 Thieves looked pretty good. I, I, I think overall they looked strong. I think bot lane looked really good. Definitely like Abadagi. Abadagi. He, he, got, he got focused and he was talking about that in the interview like, ah, uh -huh. you can't me. But like, he was down what 75 80 CS ish against Maple. He I thought was getting absolutely clapped by Jojo. He did in the mid and late games come back and like in all those games on the R games find really good charms and like you yep. know Adeline great. He yep. charmed tactical. That was like a big swing in that game. Tactical was getting picked a lot. That was another thing. Um but, but like he was great out of lane, but I was pretty concerned um, about how his laning was looking. He also had a different read. Like, I think he was the three straight R games, if I recall correctly. Um, so, like, he was kind of picking differently, where a lot of people were like, ah, his ear's up, I'm going his ear, or I'm doing, you know, Forky. Forky and, and so on, right? Um, so, yeah, he, he was three, three R games. He was even doing it blind, which is, like, much more, like, MSI meta. Um, and, and it did get them their, their two wins, but, like, yeah, I just I just felt like if he if he was having that type of performance and his team wasn't performing so well around him, the performing okay later would not have mattered, right? And so it's like he kind of got bailed out um, because the rest of his team was doing well in those games. So like it was okay that he kind of was getting crapped on in lane. Um, but I will say bot lane looked really good. That was like the big standout for for me. Um, FBI and Huhi I thought were playing very very well. Yeah, I still have a little bit of concerns about this team just because yeah. even the tsm game i think they were like four or five k gold down before Abyss started finding those picks and stuff 
there's the EG game. Um, so I, I'm still a little concerned about this team in the slower meta because this is what we're talking about. Like closer dominates, yeah. and then like if you can't do stuff early, yeah, they they feel like. I mean, I was happy their mid to late game carried them in the the TSM game, but it's still something where if you look at a uh, goal difference at 15 for teams, they were eighth place with negative 610, which is it's a small sample size. It's three games, yada yada yada. But mm-hmm. I I'm concerned because. For me, this split, one of the like minor kind of medium stories is that the mid lane got way stronger with just the return of Jensen and JoJo, hyperbolic, MSI, time chamber, and Maple. You know, playing against uh, and pulling in Maple. Um, but uh, like, I really do feel like in some of the small things, just watching JoJo, it's almost like another new mid laner coming back from MSI after playing uh you know six in a row versus uh g2 and caps uh in his faker games and stuff yeah um definitely looks looks like he's continuing on his very quick ascent so i really think mid lane compared to last split is significantly more competitive and people already i have been hearing like whispers uh about abba uh you know 400 thieves they're like ah you know, maybe maybe even looking at other options and tweaks that ooh, they could make. Um, but it's I mean the, it's a little bit of it's like a kind of borderline there. Cause he's yeah. still obviously very good. Uh but, but it he does, hasn't looked really good since the start of spring. And and the competition has gotten stronger. So that's why I'm like, ah yeah. little Yeah. I mean you might maybe getting more on thin ice. What was the the you said they were eighth overall in yeah, goal difference at fifteen as a team. So the funny thing about this is that their goal difference as a team um is negative six ten. Abadagas is negative six forty at fifteen individually. So <laughs> he's so basically the entire team. He's goal more than the difference. So his team on average was actually slightly ahead, uh, around even, and then played well late. But he was like more than that difference. Um, which which is like really concerning. And it is just a couple games. And yes, he did get ganked some and there was there was some factors. Well, and we were but, talking about strength of schedules as well. The dig and TSM were the teams they beat. And of course, who knows exactly how it's gonna shake out, but they're one top half expected team, depending on how hot you are in TSM. The only one you can be sure of was the EG game. Um, yeah. So it, it is something where I think people will be watching 100 Thieves closely to see if they're gonna get overtaken by C9 if they turn online or or what, or if they're just gonna kind of be like top half, but are you really a title threat right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do think it's it's tough for closer, right? Because I just think that like when I think of closer's best games, it's always like, oh my god, this guy's ganking every lane at the same time. He's like killing everybody, and that just that stuff just feels harder to do. Um, maybe there will be some some balance changes that like make early action more incentivized. But I definitely was looking at like the, what are the two good teams that kind of need their their jungler to dominate early to to look really good, and it was like river closer. Those are the guys that I think like when these teams are looking at at their best. Um, it's because their junglers are running over the early game, and that's just harder to do. So, still, still definitely a concern for me. Whew, I feel like I turned up the AC, made it even colder. It's in chilly. Here. They saw you, you put that, that on, and they're like, "I'm wearing a jacket in my." I'm, I'm like, chilly. "Sheesh!" Uh, Golden Guardians are <laughs> are next in line. We've I, got a big I, tie here. I was though. wondering where you were gonna go, and you I'm picked just Golden going by the Guardians. graphic. I'm just okay, going by okay, the graphic. Okay. Four way tie at one and two. That uh, Mr. Azel pasted in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Golden Guardians. Now, this team, like you said, there were some big bloopers. Mm-hmm. Baron going out of vision for too long for CLG. These types of things. I um, actually had a bit more confidence uh, into this team. 
going into the weekend? Coming into coming into the weekend, um, it, it got shaken a little bit. I'm still not selling. You know, I'm I'm holding. They're they're maybe the hardest team to place of the one and twos. I would say like the other teams as we go through them, I'll have pretty strong opinions on. But Golden Guardians, their first game was a total dud. They just got slapped down by FlyQuest. They basically they didn't even try. They, yeah, it just felt like they were <laughs> AFK. And like the thing about that is some teams, first game of the split, you don't have a draft that's like easy to play. I would say that was not an easy draft to play. It was like no hard CC with like yeah. Zen as your only front line. I guess Nar if when he megas out, but you know, like they just didn't play it well and they did nothing and lost. But then they looked more competitive in the next two games. They they second game was actually really good. They were really good versus C9. They basically just controlled them the whole way through. And then the third game was you can guess a little back oopsie. and forth at least, and then a big oopsie. So, How do you think a blaze is going to uh, live in this this new summer cool. mid lane? Because some some of the bloopers were from him, and I was really yeah. you know on the on the hype train, um, the past you know even last year and stuff. So I'm a little bit hesitant there. I do think Stixite coming in is is an upgrade you know, uh, over lost. So I think that was a positive move for them. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, I, I, I didn't like, I didn't have them in like my top five anyway. Uh, I still think they could live towards like the upper, upper half, um, you know, like the, the top of the bottom, if you will, or whatever of the, like the teams outside of that. Um, I, I w I'm not at least writing them off that game. One was obviously horrible. I mean, that was just reminiscent of the like do nothing games that dig had uh, a year or two ago or this weekend where it was like, yeah, or some of those, uh, just where golden guardians was just like, I mean, they literally just didn't contest anything the whole game and then lost. It's like, wow, surprise. Yeah. Um, game two was really good, though. And then game three, your my glass my glass half full is, I actually thought they were in a winning position against against uh, TSM until until that Baron, CLG. which is, or yeah. excuse me, CLG. And CLG went 3-0, right? Like, so it's like, if we're putting CLG at like 6-7, whatever, like, you know, top of the bottom, um, then like, Golden Guardians probably should have won that game, right? And if they replay it a couple times, like but how many times did we say that last split for them, right? They've thrown yeah. so many games, like that's that's a fair point. I mean, their early game was really really good last split, but they would always find a way to lose. Um, and and yeah, and maybe I'm giving too much of the benefit of the doubt, but I'm at least not like just writing them off after after this first weekend because it was like okay, one horrible game, one really good game, one game you probably should have won but you didn't against a team that went three zero. Doesn't really change my opinion that much yet. Yeah, there's some teams I'm willing to knee jerk to, like yeah. CLG and EG. <laughs> like, well, I just mean like I put CLG EG up, I put EG three or whatever or four, I forget, and it's like okay, they're gonna be much better. The MSI hangers over is not a thing for them right now. Yeah, or any knee jerking really, is an involuntary action. So uh, yeah, but some things hit your knee and you're like whatever, and some things hit it and you're like wham. And <laughs> Golden no, Guardians. That's not how it's supposed to work. It's supposed <laughs> to work every time, Mark. My reflexes aren't consistent. But it's probably some some yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Probably some damage down there. He's dead inside. You know, <laughs> certain things just that doesn't react to. I have joint damage. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> e either way, my point is, Golden Guardians did not register. I'm still, I'm still waiting to see. Yep. <laughs> All right. So, we're so CLG keep donking on that. You're saying you need a couple more games. CLG up, EG up is, is like your like jumps. Yeah. Dig down. And, okay. But we'll that, get that's there what later. I was gonna say. Well, we can we can we can go there if you want. I mean, we can go there later. I mean, that's yeah. all the way to the yeah, bottom. Yeah, let's let's do so. TSM FlyQuest stuff first. Yeah. Uh, TS TSM is a good place to start. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's interesting because we were talking before uh, the weekend. Yeah. And 
I was like, oh my God, I watched these games of Maple and Champs Q. I, I'm super hyped. And Isaiah was like, I watched these games in Champs Q. I'm not hyped. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, hmm, <laughs> wait a second. Uh, these are this, it, where, this is more about the Swain. Yeah, where, where where are you standing now on on Maple specifically? Because that's that's the you know the the new piece here for TSM. Um I mean honestly, I I I feel pretty similarly coming out of it. Uh I don't know. It, it was a little bit weird. Like there, the the one game, I'm, was it the game against? It was the game against Hundred Thieves where they had that like random wild goose chase where they all chased someday and then just like all mm -hmm. died and lost the game. Um, that was a weird one. I mean, Ma Maple. I think like my read from Champions Q was you're not going to dominate lane. You're going to be good moving around the map and and playing that sort of style. The Galio game was like pretty forgettable from him, but like I think that's going to be the kind of thing he wants to play. It's like Galio and TF, and like maybe Talia if people are willing to play Talia mid. He's pretty good at like Zoe and just like things things where you can move around the map. He's really good on Yone, uh, but that was getting banned against him. I don't know. He, I thought he was like had an okay, but kind of like forgettable debut. TSM in general just like did okay. Um, yeah, it was basically speaker, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're watching those really games, well. you're watching speaker. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think his Corky game, which I think was the Immortals one, had some good engages. Uh, yeah. Not engages, but like some okay packages to help yeah. in the mid to late game team fighting. So, like, not what you should have been expecting, which is like, he's an upgrade for he's, sure. He's an upgrade for sure. I think you could make the case last split that Kaido slash takeover and everything else that was going on with that team, like they were like not even the tenth best mid. In, in NA, like there were academy mids that were better. I think better. they should be separated, and I did think Takeover was definitely better than Kai. Takeover yeah. played all right in LCS. He played all right, but I would still put a lot of academy mids over him. Just yeah. as a, so, like you know, Speak is being paired up with not LCS caliber mid laners, and I think Maple is an LCS caliber mid laner. And you saw why Speaker was MVP immediately again here, where he was hard carrying these games in the early game. Well, and and I think one of the things I will give a lot of credit to Maple for, and I when I talked to Chawi, um one of the reasons he was saying that they liked Maple and wanted to bring in Maple was that it was actually going to free up Spika to just like play the game, right? Because I remember we, we talked about this uh, last week and we talked about this last split um, or like Spika had his tweets where he was like, I wish all I had to do was just like play the game. Like I'm translating, I'm shot calling, like, you know. He's I'm, making content. I'm doing three jobs here, right? He's like, still making content. I know. Um, yeah. yeah, the, 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 the listen in. Yeah, yeah, listen in. Um, but I, I do think this is like some of that, right? And, and, Maple's communication was like better than I thought it was going to be. His English is very basic, but even in Champions Q, like he's very communicative, right? Like he'll he'll chat a lot. So I do think that that is possible. Um, you know, as part of the reason why Speaker was able to play so well individually is that it's freeing him up. I know that was their intent. Of course, we didn't get to hear the comms, so like I don't know for sure, but this is what their coach is telling me. This is what I've I've seen is that Chawi is able to chat a lot, and if Speaker can play like like an MVP. The team is obviously just way better, right? Like he can get you a lot of wins, uh, and, and I and I still have faith that this team could be like that, like five six uh, kind of range where where I was putting them initially. Um, my big concern is just like, oh man, Tactical had a had a rough weekend. Clearly took it very rough, like tweeting out like, oh, I just suck, you know that kind of thing. Yeah, and. And it's like you can kind of just like shrug it off with some players, but I also know that Tactical does seem to be one of those players that like takes takes the losses really hard. He is like very up and down as far as as far as like performance based on emotion. Like even when you're like watching his stream sometimes, like you can tell when he's really in the zone. This guy's friggin' incredible. Um, and when he's like in a in a bad bad place, like he's he plays a lot worse, I think. And so like he played he played bad at critical moments this yeah. weekend, right? Like got picked off multiple times in it with like with summoners available and things like that 
Uh, the charm from Abadaga when he got caught by Dragon Pit on Ezreal was like a max range charm. He had shift and he had has e like his flash up. He did shift, but it was like delayed, so he just got pulled back and died. Um, but he he didn't have a good weekend, and he needs to play better than that for them to win. Like especially in late well, game situations. And I would I would throw Huni in that needs to play better bucket too because yeah. he was not impressive either. His Vlad game he got killed a handful of times, even though they won that game. It was like I think Revenge actually got kind of, like they were picking on him to get for for Immortals to get their advantages. It mm -hmm. was he he like face check. Can be that one time just killed himself at red buff. They were like, "Oh, that was so bad." Yeah, there there were a lot of plays like oh, that. I like wiped that out of my brain. That no, was, you can't wipe it out of your brain. That was so bad, actually. He like, oh, okay, go. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna th throw out the game versus Dokla as well. His Gwen was kind of getting picked on. Uh, I mean, yeah. the comp was designed to like go up there and kill Gwen. Yeah, but like that happened, and he he got a couple kills back. But like, he's going back and forth with bottom tiered, probably six to ten range top laners that he's going up against, you know? And so that's just not good enough, I think, for this team to break out of that category. It feels like he's inconsistent, tactical is inconsistent, Maple and Speaker are consistent. It's just like they need someone else to help them out more often. Otherwise, they're going to drop a lot of games where even if they get leads, their mm. their side laners aren't, aren't doing anything. Where, where do you see Hooney? Like, as far as, like, top laners, right? Because, like, so the, it's kind of like this... Um, I, I had a discussion. I can't even remember who, who, who kind of, like, gave this to me but anyway I, I was thinking about where my power rankings were and i always kind of had it like okay so you know i'm thinking impact and someday and Bwipo, and then i'm kind of giving benefit of the doubt to fudge being up there and then i kind of had like licorice in in the middle and someone someone phrases to me and i've kind of reused it now that i because i really like it where it's like licorice is basically like the bar to like get into the elite i'm assuming you have someday above that yeah bar? yeah yeah so someday impact Bwipo, and then i was giving benefit of that to fudge um, so those would be the four. And then like Licorice would be the bar who can like compete with those guys, but isn't necessarily as good as them and can also like, you know, um, not be as consistent. So it's like, where is Huni even supposed to be? Right? Like, is he supposed to be below? I would that put bar? him below Dokla right now, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, boy, Dokla put Dok himself big like, Dokes up is up on three, top. Though. So where is Dokla? Well, I, yeah, I, I think you're Dokla's always gonna top in the league. You're always but I'm just kind of curious more like where do you guys even think who he is, and where do you think he needs Low, to be then? I think lower half right now, for sure. Mm -hmm. And lower he has to like sure. break past that any, bar, any, you think? He, he should be better. Like By his own standard, he should try and be better than Licorice and like get into that more elite conversation, given that he's, you know, world's finalist, mm -hmm. multi-time champion. MSI winner. Yeah, like he's he's got such an insane career. You know, he should not be middle of the pack struggling to be consistent, you know? Yeah, I think this TSM team has a a lot of work, you know, yeah. to do. To I put them seventh. I, I feel like so. Yeah. This is one of the teams. But also, up. this TSM team, they made like some little. It's really hard to make like huge sweeping corrections between spring and summer. Yeah, <clears throat> I kind of saw the adjustments here of them of like, oh, okay, we're gonna make some adjustments to do better in summer, but their big overhaul is gonna come next yeah. year. Uh, is what I'm is what I'm assuming, and, uh, and at least Spika is back to being a bright point. Like I really enjoyed watching him this weekend. He was really, and good. I think it, I, I think he needed to come back. Not like anyone, like I think I was doubting his skill, but just uh -huh. like fans were starting to be like, how do you get MVP last split carried by, you know, like Poe or like what I don't know. But I'm glad to see him back. So FlyQuest Immortals are the next two teams with one win. I had them and Dignitas as my bottom three teams. Uh, and I, I FlyQuest was my biggest like move down from previous standings. Hater. Yeah, it, it 
they were. So I kind of need you guys to sell me on it now because what? I, I put FlyQuest actually way down as well. I put him fifth. I was the. Okay, I Mark's feel good about it. I was the FlyQuest homer last split, and now I was. I, like, I, no, dro- I dropped him like a rock yep. uh, down there with the mortals. Do you regret it? Do either so, of you regret it yet? No. no. What? <laughs> they should be two and one. They should have slapped Immortals. They just had one bad bear in play. So, so to Immortals be, is my dead last team, though. To be, so. to be fair, I, I do think Philip uh, was better than I expected, um, but I do still think Philip may be a liability in lane. Like he, he was one of the worst laners in Academy top lane. So that was like my big concern is that it was like this. This was from talking to their coaches. Um, a move towards like the future. They really liked him as far as like attitude and, and like and co- team culture, and they think that he could be building to be better than. And whenever you hear that, you're like, well, you're sacrificing the present then if you're building for the future. Yeah, yeah. and because he, he he wasn't even considered a top top laner in, in academy, right? And um, if if you want to like get up to like fifth, I think you have to be competing with those top top laners. You can't just be a black hole against those guys. And that's that's my big concern. Uh, I will right, say Mark. though, he was he was pretty good this weekend and did have some good killer instincts. The um was it against Hundred Thieves? The, it was like, the Golden Guardians Flash Camille game. If yeah, that's what the you're Flash Camille game. That that was a really that was really nice to see that he actually like went for some kind of more big plays. Um, yeah, and he is really young. All yeah. right, so this is He's my 19. y'all are selling them short. Moment, go ready, for it. ready. Definitely selling them short. They were dominating Immortals in that game. Like yeah. it was a horrible throw right over the Baron Wall. Where I mean, they're up seven k. They they're up seven k. Objective yeah. boundaries are turned on. You get basically a. I think one person walked away, but you get wiped and lose Baron and like gold shoots back in the other team's favor. Yeah. And I think that they're like they kind of came mentally undone and then they just lost that. Game. I've been lobbying for objective bounties to be adjusted. I heard you in the, in the developer <laughs> interview. <laughs> I tried to, sl- to slip it in a little bit. You, you slipped it in. It's like, I think it's a good sy- system, but adjusted a little bit, squeezed down. Um, uh, so their, their early game, they're on average, I think is like decent. I mean, they, they crushed two early games basically. And then yeah. I think they actually went tit for tat with EG a little bit. Given that yeah. we think EG is one of the best teams in the league, they were never in a winning position that game, but the, the Twitch was finding some pickoffs. They were making plays around the map. They were gonna probably... name, name plates off. I thought they would have been competitive in that game. Yeah, I think that the it was at least a closer game than you would like. Oh, previous champion of the last split going up against FlyQuest. FlyQuest held their own a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So I I think like you have one dominating win, one win that you should have dominated, and then you inted a little bit, and then like a close game versus a good team. Okay, put that next to Immortals. Then the other. I agree uh, with everything you said, but for some reason, I don't know. I just, I just can't. I just don't believe that Philip's gonna be wait good yet. You don't why? It's like forget Philip. Kuma wasn't that good, and they were still yeah, fifth but I think last Phillip's split. Gonna be a lot worse. I think Philip so, will be. Do you have them over TSM and Golden Guardians? Yeah, I think those are the next closest competitors. Mm, yeah, okay, I, you I, have both. I think they legitimately should be a two and one team right now. Yeah, and um, I, while Philip, I, I think you're saying, but you, you're nodding. You're like makes a lot of sense. Yep. Seventh place, eighth yeah. place. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, I heard you. <laughs> Philip, I agree with all your points about him. But yeah. to the killer instinct point, at least he can, in team fights, do his job. Yeah. Um, and he, he played pretty well the first week. Yeah. And so, like, I, know, just, I, yeah. I think Jose and Takoy have largely picked up where they left off. They looked pretty good. Um, their bot lane is relatively consistent. Johnson's not a superstar, but, like, again, kind of a role player. And yeah. so, like, I think this team has better fundamentals with Afro at the helm. And like shot calling and, and decision making. What's that? And the meta, meta fits. Fit. Yeah, right. There's so many points in yep. their favor. Yep. And again, Eight they're place. not going to beat EG, <laughs> TL, maybe yep. C9 when they start playing better. Like by the end of the split, 
I don't know if they will be a serious title threat, but I don't see why they wouldn't be in the fifth, sixth category more so than the eighth, ninth based off this week. Okay, who's the strongest Immortals believer then? Because there was a lot of hype with bringing in Ignar and Kenvi and... It wasn't I me. I can't remember. I can't remember where I had them exactly. I think I they were. Ninth. I had them ninth. Yeah, I think yeah. ninth. Yeah. Okay, we don't have one. We don't have one then. Um, there's, well, there, there's no Immortals rep, and they did not necessarily give us the tools to doubt ourselves. Yeah, I think. So I was like, because Kenvi, um, he did so well in Academy, but I talked to a bunch of the LCS junglers uh, about him specifically and how well they thought he would adapt from Academy to LCS, and. I did not ha get a single answer from one of them that was super strong or or positive, and a lot of them were press X to doubt. So that that to me definitely was a big contributing factor of why I was like, oh, I'm seeing a lot of you know Academy hype for Immortals and and people you know really like, oh, these are pretty big changes because you know Ignar is also mm -hmm. a significant change too, which I think is good, but maybe it's. You know, people are playing on like the past synergy with Power of Evil or something, and uh, yeah. it didn't it didn't quite come together for me. I mean, they got they got perfect gamed, game one. Yeah. Uh, game two, they beat Fly. But it's they very fell early. Still, they beat but... Fly, but that was the one where they're down like seven k or whatever, right? Yeah. So so that that one, it's like if you want to take glass half empty, they shouldn't have won. But the glass half full is that <laughs> the, T the TSM the TSM game. I actually thought they were in a winning position, and then they yeah. just threw. So it's like kind of evens out a little bit. Um, they could have easily been two one, but they also could have been o three, right? Like it's it's actually like not wouldn't have been that shocking either way. Um, I I do think that Kenvi had some better games at later, but it's it's also just like really hard because not only is the competition a lot a higher level, but also his team is not going to be playing towards him in the same way that Hundred Thieves Academy did, where yeah. it was like playing for him. And this is some of the discussions that I had with a few people, where it's like he basically has to learn a new play style, right? And can he do that? Yeah, absolutely. I do think he's like actually a great talent. He was really impressive in Academy. Uh, and you, I remember we were joking about this because you were asking other junglers. I'm like, do people ever say anything good about people who play the same role as them? And you're like, well, no. Uh, you know, so it's like. But you can still like compare because they you always will be like, well, they're not as good as me, but they're better than these other. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's totally fair. <laughs> but like some of the people I, I talked to, you know, coaching side yeah. and that sort of stuff, most people were like, yeah, we think he's going to be really good. Just like not right away. And maybe, yeah. maybe not on this team. Um, because Power of Evil has never been a guy. Didn't to play he request to be on Immortals yeah. though? He he did want to go to Immortals, and he was the final piece of the roster. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many other what other teams had offers, but he did have some offers, and he chose Immortals yeah. out of that, and was that fifth piece. Uh, we'll see though. It's like they did also change three players, yeah. right? So it's like to be fair, we should give them a little bit of time to see if they if they can actually get it together because they changed their entire bot lane and yep. their jungler. Um, and I, I don't think that the first week was like absolute disaster, but it also didn't make me like believe any more than I already did. Yeah, and I think the Nocturne game was better. And you can blame Draft a little bit for that perfect game. Like not that they were going to beat TL, but like it was Talia with no setup in like all range, I think. Yep. And it was like, okay, uh, how are you going to get a kill early with this thing? And it, it just got crushed right away. Yeah. And... So you can maybe chalk up some of it to, like you said, learning a curve for both Kenvi and the team as a whole. Uh, I, I don't want to like write this team and him off entirely, but I. But you got to do week one, baby. I'm just standing. You fast. saw a game. I'm standing fast in my prediction. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. What was your prediction? Well, we were all ninth and kind okay. of negative on this. Yeah, yeah. I just mean like I didn't say anything to make me doubt myself. Is all right. I've been waiting for this down at the bottom of the barrel. The, those. 
absolute terrible team. <laughs> so, yeah, this is this was my prediction that again towards the end of the split were our uh, you know power rankings for. Yeah, Cloud9 second. I right? knew that Cloud9 was going to come in without multiple players. It was still up in the air how many players starting players they would actually have. Yeah. Uh, so I was not expecting them to win week one super week, but. I also knew that they were getting out of the way their games versus EG and Team Liquid, which are some of the most difficult opponents in yeah. the entire league yep. uh, early as well. And then when the full starting roster does get here, they're going to have time to ramp up, I feel like. And I do think that the full intended starting roster for Cloud9 is very good. I think that is going to be a very good team. It's just kind of a question of how long it is for them to reach that peak and then you know hopefully obviously it's a, you know as playoff starts and stuff and you see yeah. you see all the you know rewards then but I do think that them being down tied for 10th right now um they got that golden guardians game out of the way too yeah that that, that really <laughs> tough tough golden guardians game how's that copium uh, yeah, in the I, I do think you will not be seeing them tied for 10th or down at the bottom of the standings for a long. I think it'll be, I, a, I think it'll be a, a slow, it'll be a slow climb up, so, but it'll be a climb up the standings so for sure. I will say, I feel, even though I didn't really care that they lost the games because it's they didn't have their bot lane, I still am more <laughs> down on Cloud9 than I was before. Yeah. Um, I like, if I have to go like my, my stocks, it was like bot lane, who cares? Like you weren't going to play with these people anyway. I thought they played pretty poorly. Yeah. Um, Blabber was like pretty good. It was okay. Uh, fudge, I would say my fudge stocks went up a little bit. I thought I thought fudge might take a little bit more time. I thought like sold he was, all your Jensen stocks. He was, he was team fighting well in the Fjord game. Uh, yeah, the Jen Jensen, I his Victor game. I thought he played pretty well. Um, he got killed at the end, but like who cares? It happens. Yeah. Like he, his movement was good. He was farming well. He was putting a lot of damage in team fights. How that was Yone? His Yone game was really disappointing. Uh, I thought like he did create some little advantages like he forced some sums early but then it felt like every time he went for something he just like didn't connect with his all or just didn't work out or Snap whatever back and then end up out of the fight or then yeah. go in they were they were just mechanical errors yeah like, he, like even even as far as like the ordering of skills at times right so like his Yone did not look good. Didn't create any sort of advantages. Like, don't worry, I've gotten more copium. Okay. Another brand oh, of copium shoot. for that. I, I'm the Cloud9 copium salesman. I gave you my generic yeah. copium okay. first. Here's the Jensen specific one. Okay, is that Jensen has always been a mid laner with a very particular champion pool mm -hmm. and doesn't pick up champions very quickly. He's always, you know, he's he's a very good mid laner, but throughout his career and his history, he has never really. Adapted it's been like the, Mr. Oriana and stuff. Yeah. He hasn't really picked up champions quickly. Um, and some of the most kind of uh, sticky ones have been, you know, Melee Yone. Fighters. Yone was, uh, was definitely one of the ones because I remember back when he was on Team Liquid and they, we had the meta shift to, uh, to the melee, you yeah. know, mid laners, and, and Yone was a big one too. There were like jokes about uh, Yasuo, some, you mean? some of the scrims that they were having. Um, or Yone was a big mid laner. Both both of them. It was when Lee Sin was also a mid laner, and like okay, okay. He, I was I was it thinking took him a while to get his Lee Sin. Interestingly good. enough, he he barely has any Yasuo games, but he's a seventy one percent win rate on it because it, it's probably all Diana Yasuo or Gragas Yasuo maybe even back in the day. From mm -hmm. his from his Cloud Nine days, probably yeah. combining with the uh, with maybe the Gragas uh, like Yasuo. But the but the what's his Yone? His Yone, he only has three games. Uh, he's and like they are two. 
one and two only. Okay. Um, uh, and then what was the, the there other was one? There was the Akali Aurelia. Akali, his Akali, well, his Akali, 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 Akali is, is one of the champions yeah. that he has played a lot. It was of. one that was not that was in like the not good tier for him that he then made it good. Yeah, like he learned but, it, but it's slowly. been good for a long time. Yeah, yeah. This was like twenty. He put in the work. Aurelia, then, he just never played. He had four. He's yeah. four games. This so like, the, I'm talking about twenty eighteen. Yeah. This, this is the brand of Komi. Is that he? He doesn't pick up the champions quickly when he puts a lot of time into them. You know, he's a very good miller. He can and he can add them to the pool, but uh, you don't see big adjustments quickly. Yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. But and I, so maybe that has. But were you not somewhat disappointed on his performance? Level? No, I was gonna say maybe that has something to do with also coming back. Yeah. Because he was out in he was in Las Vegas partying with Bunny Fufu, and he coming back even though he's been grinding champions. He started pretty early on. Maybe it you know takes a yeah. So I'll give you the anti copium take, and it's still not that much anti copium. <laughs> it's not like I don't yeah, yeah. think that they'll be where I place them. I think to your point, if you went zero three and you looked like the EG game for the other two, I would feel a little bit better. Me too. Where the EG game was back and forth, you had some leads at some point, but the next two games were just not particularly close. Mm -hmm. um, Golden Guardians, they mostly got steamrolled, and we already talked about some of that stuff. The Team Liquid game, they actually defended their bot lane well. They had what I think was a scaling advantage, like a better team fight, team comp, and just the decision-making, which I assume is not their bot lane deciding this. King loses his flash, Rift Herald drops mid, they break mid turret, you're you stopped for hex drinker, so your Corky's hasn't had his oh, Miramax. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they they don't uh. have their mana unit transform. He doesn't have his Ludens done. Yeah. Twitch is on one item and you're against a two-item Ezreal. You don't have vision control. Wait, you double TP in yeah. and then they just sprint it down river for the most yeah. brute force engage. They get crushed in TV like flanked and stuff. Yeah, and it was like, why did you do that? You could have just sacked that dragon. You were in a totally fine game state. And and yeah, that, this is stuff that will get improved in time, mm -hmm. but I think it just speaks to the current level of the team right now not being super in sync or like having a good read on how they want to play the game as a team. Yeah, um, they also, for a bit of the um, tag on of the anti-copium or whatever, that it's always been a team that, of course, you know, blabber super aggressive and and they they chase. I feel like for a lot of yeah. team fights that they shouldn't be chasing quite as long for. Mm -hmm. um, that gets them into trouble, especially a lot of these dragon fights and stuff around river. There was one, you know, they're chasing one one side of this team fight and they group up for I remember what, what it was, but this you know giant AOE and, and yeah. the you know it gets so turned around on them. On them and uh, so that's another thing that kind of consistently pops up every every now and then with this team is the the over chasing for team fights in addition to the um you know stuff you talked about but uh gonna be a brand new world with uh i, I don't care. omega five head uh your shot calling zven back here <laughs> I, know, I know they were they were tweeting about how they're just turbo stomping scrims yeah it was yeah. it was all caps joke so yeah. very clearly yeah yeah um but i i had heard very good things about zven in general and berserker is obviously a beast um so and i mean i think the team is going to be good it's just like for them for me to think that they're going to win lcs jensen's got to be like you know at very very high level um, you know, not completely like selling him down the river because his first game was good, but the other two were forgettable, and the Yone one was maybe like, oh, the Yone one was maybe memorable for the wrong reasons. Yeah, I think the top side of the map, be you, fine. you can't just pin it all on the substitute bot lane, but we still expected with Jensen coming back, there being this like ramp up time needed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the other thing I'll say is we had Vulcan on Hotline League, and he was talking about playing with Blabber, and Blabber's the kind of person who will like try to fight his way back into a game or to like help a lane that's losing. Yeah. And so like in that second game, 
when they had like a bad gank down there. I was like, but that wasn't that like on Blabber a little bit? And he's like, that's just how Blabber is. And so like, if your lane that's supposed to be winning, because it was like the Lulu Jinx lane that died and started losing Pryo and he was trying to recover that lane, Vulcan was like, Blabber will absolutely like go down there and try and fight that lane back into their priority, you know? And he's mm -hmm. like, if you have a better bot lane, Blabber's decision-making becomes a lot better. Like he's someone who plays with priority in particular very well versus yeah. when you don't. And I thought that was an interesting insight into like, blabber with winning lanes versus blabber with losing lanes uh because you know I, I think he's the most dominant jungler ever in north america and I, I didn't see it this weekend but i know he can get back there so well it's it's a good way to play to win when you're losing right yeah. because it, a lot of teams when they start losing they're like all right we're never ignore that bot again, lane. Yeah. right and yeah. then they just slowly bleed out the game oh, yeah um but that is a big reason i think cloud nine over the years has had times where they're able to come back is because they're just gonna keep scrapping but uh digging toss the other team. Uh, Did you see anything in any of their losses that gave you a spark of joy? Did Cloud you nine? feel joy? Dignitas. Digitas. Ooh. I still like River. I still like him. Was there any joy watching River though? Did, did anything spark joy? I guess you We're could say it was, that, it was the house cleaning. It was a bittersweet being <laughs> like River. Condo or yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you pick it up. Did it, <laughs> River does spark joy, but it's bittersweet seeing him on this team. I think it was even Doke. Someone in an interview was talking about like the good junglers in LCS, and they shouted him out again. Yeah, um, he is remember. very good. Yeah, yeah. but but like th keep, this is, keep in River. He sparks joy. Put there's, it in there. yeah. there's this weird thing where it's like I feel like um, when I talk about like. Ding Toss is hurt because because like they need River to play J four and stuff. It's like maybe you were talking about this, yeah. But like, cast a little bit. but it's like it's not because River sucks at playing scaling stuff. It's because Ding Toss doesn't create their own advantages. They need they, they need, need him to go early game. Yeah, they need him to put their lanes ahead because their lanes don't seem to create their own advantages. Um, but I will say, as 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 much as maybe blasphemy to to criticize uh, River a little bit, <gasps> uh, man. He just absolutely sold sold Gomsu out. Like he was just like Gomsu gets like ganked like four hundred times in a row. Like he's not even there to help him reset the wave. He's never there to even help him like to cover him on a dive. Like he just gave him actually zero help. And there, yes, like he's supposed to be Mr. Weak Side top laner and blah blah blah. But like you still need to help your top laner sometimes. And as, when you're playing a weak side top. You actually really need your jungle to come and and unfreeze your wave because that is the difference between like holding it close and them getting a freeze where they then over the next couple of minutes expand the CS advantage from like 10 to like 30, right? And that actually happened to him uh, specifically. I want to say it was the TL game maybe, but there was one game I was watching and I was like, River needs to go top and fix this wave. And then he just never did. No, it was, it was um, who were they playing against? It was Sejuani versus Fiora. It was that game. Uh, that was... Not the C9. No, that's C9. Who they? Maybe play? you can look it up. My computer died. Yeah, yeah. My battery's I'm out. I'm looking at it. Um, but it was it was that game in particular where like he had actually kept it pretty close, and then Fiora had a freeze, and I'm like, oh, if he doesn't go up top, Fiora's gonna be up 30 CS, and then the exact thing happened. So I was pretty disappointed with how he played with him, which was just like never played with him. Um, and even in the the TL game, there I think it was their first game uh, where that was the Mord game from Whippo. And like it was just the first couple of minutes, but like Gamsu was doing fine. And then multiple ganks from Santorin. Then Core JJ goes up. Like so many people are going up towards top, and he's just getting zero help at all. Of course, he's gonna start losing and then getting slammed. So like Gamsu looked bad, but I also was like, you actually got no help from your team at all. So I almost felt like 
that was as much on his team as it was on on him. But the the whole Dignitas thing was a mess. They just I, yeah. they didn't really have anything going for them. That I had them either in nine or tenth. So. Yeah, I had a little bit more faith in them. That's one of the teams I said saw that this weekend. I was like, yeesh. Um, yeah. yeah, it was it was the hundred thieves game for the Fiora one. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I just I thought Gomsu would stabilize top, and I would say in some sense like he kind of did. Like I don't know if there was much of a difference between like what he or fake guy would have done. I think um, I'm more disappointed in the rest of the team than Gonsu. I, I wanted their bot lane to do a little bit more. Um, just didn't get Average goal of difference of 15. They could 2,500. Dude, like, if you go through their oh. like, their team stats, it is it is brutal. Like, almost no kills or assists. Massive yeah. gold deficit. The party bus usually only runs in spring. Party bus crash. The Dude, party bus actually usually only runs in spring. The problem is party buses don't get good gas mileage and prices are high right now. So yeah. Seven, seven oh. bucks a gallon. Like, yeah. Oh, God. You're, you're getting, like, halfway downtown stranded on the freeway partying. Oh, God, no. AC turns off because you're, you know, can't keep the, the recession going. No, is going to hit dig the hardest. Guys. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It was it, it was Bail a rough beer weekend, on the highway, man. baby. <laughs> Party bus died. It was, it was a rough weekend. Yeah. Um, I still think that that like Dig could could do a lot better, but I was I was concerned that like oh if River can't get advantages for this team, they're not going to really go go much of anywhere. I did think Gomsu was going to be an upgrade top, but they they've got to work with him better than they did this weekend. The three Sejuani top games, like I'm not. He played GP one game, but Sejuani twice. I thought it was three. Sejuani it was GP games. against Mord. Oh right, 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 yeah. So. The two Sejuani games soured me on the Sejuani top. I was like, this does not look good. Is it just this team or is it this pick? I don't know. Uh, it was tough. I think the pick's okay. Talk to Alorum for a good five minutes. He'll be sweetened right up on that Sejuani top. Ask with the with one melee junglers, I think it's, a, it's actually pretty strong. Yeah. And I don't think it has... One thing I will say is it doesn't have to be like you pick Sejuani and then you just AFK. I actually think has Orn, good gank setup. Orn is way better for that. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say is that the gank setup is actually really good. If especially if you have a melee jungler, yeah. you can it, call him up there. My favorite thing about it is uh, the Rift Herald fights. Yeah, two v twos, three v threes are really good. And there's a couple of melee mid laners that you can choose right now. It's definitely not great because everybody's, banned, but everybody's trying to scale. But if you have triple melee topside, that yeah. Rift Herald fight is free. Yeah. For, uh, so I, I I'm I I think Sejuani top's actually pretty good, but I didn't think they played around it well at all. Okay. What do you got? I was gonna Spit ask, it out, Mark. I was gonna you ask about ignite because I was I was saying I don't think I love the ignite. Um, I think if you're not if you if you're not gonna your jungle's never gonna go up there, you should be playing flash because who cares about ignite later in the game yeah. for the most part. But I actually think ignite is pretty good for for like kill pressure. Like when you you have good gank assist. And your your two v twos and three v threes are actually good if you have melee people up there on top side. So ignite if you're going to fight is actually good. Mm -hmm. um, I don't expect at the pro level there to be many matchups that Sejuani can just like solo kill them. Like it just shouldn't happen. Yeah. So like, uh, yeah. I mean, if they're never going to play towards if them, you don't get ganks. Yeah. If, if they're never going to play towards them, he should just play flash for utility. Um, but like again, if you pick this and and the the comms in, in draft are like, all right, I'm passing top, and then you just never come, then who's it on, right? Yeah. All right. Well, I don't. I don't have my my computer is dead. So yeah. So Kobe's got to do the toss. Out of here. Am I doing the toss? You're doing the toss. I'm the only one doing the toss. It's pretty easy. I can do it from memory. Seven minutes. Mention that we're going to have an edit here for league dev discussion. Really smooth, Mark. Hello and welcome back to the dive presented by Players on Paramount Plus. Go check it out if you have not yet. Uh, 
As you can see, we've got a different configuration. Azale and I are not joined by Mark today. Thank, Thank God. goodness. <laughs> right there. Yeah. <laughs> right there with got me. The uh, but we do have two members of the League of Legends dev team, uh, Froxon and uh, TrueXY. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. We're going to talk durability patch spoilers. Um, okay, you guys want to introduce yourselves? Yeah, uh, I'm Matt Froxon Long Harrison. Uh, I'm the lead game designer for the Summoners Rift team. Uh, we basically do uh, game balance, preseason, item updates, rune updates, just things that aren't new champions, basically. Cool, and I'm Tim, uh, or TrueXY, and uh, I've been on League for like two years, helping Matt do some of it, and I was one of the main designers on the durability update. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Well, of course, that's going to be our first uh, topic here. Durability update. Everybody is expecting, you know, okay, it's going to increase game time, you know, kills are probably going to go down. But I actually want your internal metrics and how, they, how they've actually turned out. Did this hit the goals that you, that you had actually set for this durability patch? Um, because, yeah, I've definitely noticed longer games and uh, more frustrating early. Yep. Yeah, so um, we can talk high level, kind of. The main reason why we wanted to do the durability patch is because we kind of creeped damage in League of Legends over the years, um, not due to any... A little bit. One, yeah, a, li a little bit. Um, and, and, you know, there's a few reasons why this occurs. You know, one of them is when we try and make uh, new content, uh, typically we try and make that exciting. Oftentimes that comes in the form of, you know, giving damage or giving burst damage. Mm -hmm. uh, it's one of the ways that players find satisfying um, to receive power. Having said that, you know, it's difficult to kind of keep that uh, in the right balance, especially systems relative to each other. Um, so there are a few things we <laughs> we kind of wanted to bring that back a little bit. We also wanted to bring snowballing back a little bit in the mm -hmm. early game as well. Games often felt like they were out of your control too early. Um, we felt like at the same time, uh, we wanted to bring down the damage of classes that weren't specifically damage focused. So things like tanks uh, or just champions that dealt damage like a Blitzcrank support uh, would do you know, more damage than you would expect. Yeah. Uh, so we kind of believe that we've hit a lot of those. Um, and uh, you know, things like game time and early game lethality are still um, to be seen, uh, what changes we're meant to do to put them in a good spot. Um, and Tim can talk a little more to that as well. First yeah, so if you want to talk like exact numbers, 12-10, yeah. um, the first time we did it, uh, game time went up like two minutes, right? Mm -hmm. The games are longer, and then we actually saw... Yeah. yeah, for solo key. Yeah. This is solo key focused. Um, kills, overall kills went down just a little bit, but probably about two to three per champion in your game. So mm -hmm. if you multiply that by five, that's quite a bit less gold, less pacing in the game. Makes a lot of sense. Um, and then pre-10, pre-15, probably down about like half a kill, 0.6 of a kill, which is a decent amount of your percent early game uh, gold. And so that's what we kind of expected, right? Obviously, if you give everyone stats, they're going to be harder to kill. Yeah. Kill is going to be harder to get. Surprise! <laughs> exactly. There's less gold in the game. Um, so, like, there's a lot less kills. Yeah. How, and that's how many kills, uh, if you know, like, <clears throat> what was the average? So you said, like, it went down about two kills per champion on each side. Yeah. So, like, 20 less kills in a game. How many kills were people getting on average in a solo queue game? Because I literally have oh no gosh. idea. I need to actually find a number off the top of okay. my head. Um, was it, like, a I significant decrease? Because, obviously, like, that changes context a lot. Overall, for percentage, it ends up being, like, Depending on your role and how much gold you get in the game, it's probably about like zero to five, zero to eight percent less gold over okay. the entire game. Okay. So it's not like you're losing a ton. 
Um, in early game, pre-10, I do know the average kills for like a mid lane assassin, mid lane mage, uh, mm -hmm. jungler, which are the, the higher level ones. Probably you're getting about 0.9, one kill pre-10 minutes on average. And so lowering that down yeah. um, by like 0 0.3, 0 0.6 is quite a bit. Yeah. It ends up being like 100 gold-ish. Um, so we did see everything go slowing down, mm -hmm. slowing down. 12-11, um, where we did some other big changes, mainly the towers on the outer uh, do less damage. Game time went down another minute. So we're about one minute above 12-9 for average game length. Yeah, I think um, that was a good correction, by the way. Uh, because on release uh, with 1210, the, the towers <laughs> are like two shotting yeah. people. As a like, kill enthusiast, I think you should have buffed the towers. As a top lane yeah. enthusiast. Yeah. I, I only play ranked. It was my first ranked game. I went in and I went for a level three tower dive on big stacked lanes on bottom lane. <laughs> and we got triple killed and my team's flaming me already. And I was just like, uh, just testing tower damage. Okay, uh, yeah. it's it's high. Yes, very Does high. Damage, so. yeah. yeah, I was glad, I was glad at least the outer towers got walked back because yeah. I know a lot of uh, viewers as well. People still have this mentality of like, oh my god, I can't dive anymore. Uh, but actually, it, it does feel just speaking from you know playing playing rank games and stuff over again. Now since on on twelve eleven, I'm not nearly as as frightened, and it's still very beneficial to go for early tower dives on the outer towers on big waves for your uh, for your laners. So yeah, um, is the is a relative power uh, around. Yeah. For solo queue, our goal for the towers were to make them about the same damage to you relatively with the more resist, mm -hmm. because you yourself are harder to kill. Yep. And so tower dives, it makes sense if they're a little bit riskier to do. Um, we, they might have been too common um, on 12.9, but our goal wasn't to change that specifically with tower damage. Mm -hmm. Again, because as I mentioned, you're going to be harder to kill. More of the agency is in your hands to outplay the dive, um, rather than the towers just kill you in two shots when they're heated up. Yeah. So, I think it's an interesting like strategy tool for early game, especially okay. you know to keep games exciting to watch for pro players. Yeah, and a little bit more data, and that's what we saw is that naturally on 12.10, the best champions before the hotfix and before balance adjustments yeah. were the people who scaled because those towers are stronger. You're, mm -hmm. It's harder to kill you at level one or two. So if you're a Zayo and you're playing Kale, you can actually just sit <laughs> under your tower and farm the entire yep. game, and that's much harder to punish. Now, some games are going to go 0 and 6. It happens, but those games are Oh, yeah, he less. does that. <laughs> yeah, but those games are much less common. And so that's why you see like Kale's win rate go up a ton, Anivia's win rate goes up a ton, yeah. Kog'Maw and stuff like that. Yeah. They naturally get stronger with scaling, and if you've seen the follow-up patches, that's where we've targeted some of them. Uh, we want to keep them late-game scalers, but it needs to be a little bit more risky. And so if you see those nerfs, a lot of them are targeted toward, okay, their early game is a little bit more risky. You can't just sit there, you probably don't AFK, but sit there and just yeah. be safe and be protected and then just get all the benefits for no risk. So uh, like, how, how did you guys actually see um, the durability patch like focus towards pro, right? Because like as soon as, I, as soon as I read these updates, I'm like, towers are stronger. Uh, like people are, are harder to actually kill in lane. Scaling's yeah. incentivized. If you're harder to kill, you're harder to gank. So farming is incentivized in jungle. Like all these things were just like, holy shit, we're gonna have, you know, like art and sense of meta, right? Um, like were you guys were you guys concerned about that? Like are, what, what was kind of like the goals with pro or was this much more like, hey, this is a great change for a solo queue. We'll deal with pro later. Yeah, I, I think it was definitely that, uh, <laughs> that kind of frame of mind. Uh, this was definitely a change for solo queue. Um, having said that, we did, try to be pretty cognizant of how it would affect pro um, throughout the whole process. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Tim can kind of attest to, hey, we need to make sure that we have like mitigations in, in, in plan um, just in case uh, pro does 
slow down significantly because you know that's a large portion of of the of the League of Legends experience. Yeah. Well, right. Uh, so there are a lot of things uh, that we were kind of thinking about, um, kind of post durability update once we saw like how the changes had affected the pro meta. Um, so Tim can talk to a few of those that we've been thinking about. Yeah, I kind of like nailed it. Um, for both sides, actually, we knew this was going to be a big benefit for solo queue. We didn't want to just disregard pro, but kind of like how we did champion balance, we don't know exactly what's going to happen. We can try to predict it, but if we do too much before, then we're kind of just hiding what could actually be the problem. Yeah, and um, anything that touches literally every chance in the game exactly. is impossible to balance. Yeah. For so we game. followed up on champs pretty quickly. We do want to do the same thing for pro. It was probably a good bet that things are going to slow down. Kills are going to be even rarer in pro than they are in solo queue. Um, and so what we did before is we had this is probably what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, these are the high likelihood ones. These are the levers and mitigations we can do. And if we see the magnitude that we think would be a problem, yeah. we might be at, it might change, it might not. But we have a good accurate representation because it's on live now and we can see pros play on it. Okay, these are the levers, these are the things we can change that probably can affect the game in the better. Um, so obviously you also, in an ideal world, want the viewer experience for pro, pro games to be super exciting. Um, so I have a question specifically around scaling and the state of scaling and, and the difference between a champion that doesn't have any scaling, super early game, and the extreme of the most late game. You know, we can, we can keep using Azale, uh, <laughs> Gale, Gale play here. Uh, a lot of kill for, for my, in my uh, just personal opinion, I actually feel like it should be contracted a little. Um, I, I don't like when there are champions that are super extreme scaling, uh, because just for the sake of argument, if I take it to the most extremes that don't actually exist in the game, if there is a champ that, oh, level 18, you 100% of the time win the game, mm -hmm. obviously that, that's not fun at all. Um, so where do you think like the state of scaling is and should it be contracted considering the last kind of two big updates, which were to me the bounties being added, so some comeback mechanic there, which also side benefits uh, just generically scaling champions plus now durability patch. Feels to me like two kind of system changes that have exacerbated this, uh, you know, scaling idea. Yeah. So there's there's a few things to unpack there. One is why a champion that kind of auto wins the game at mm. late game is bad for the game, right? And the the core the core principle there is interaction, right? We think that interaction in League of Legends is the thing that like makes the game exciting, right? And so. To your yeah. point, it's like, okay, well, if you go to 18 and, and there's no interaction, there's no gameplay there. If everybody then, in the game knows, all right, yeah. it's over, right? That's no so that, that, there's a few things there. One is like, you know, is it a champion design problem or is it like a, a problem with the actual concept of it? So I don't think the concept itself is flawed, but I think some of the ways that we tend to achieve it can be low gameplay. And so kind of the way that I'm thinking about it at least is how can we make scaling feel more interactive for um, for both parties. Mm. So like bounties are, are, are like a, a and a prince uh, sorry are indicative of this principle, right? Most bounty most bounty claims are actually in the hands of the person who has the bounty. So like let's say eight and zero Kha'Zix. Mm -hmm. Kha'Zix has a lot of agency to actually prevent the opponent from getting that and scaling, right? Uh, yes. objective bounties is like, okay, well the team that's defending the bounties has a lot of agency in, in preventing that. So I don't think it's necessarily a problem with scaling. It's just that the scaling needs to be designed in a way that it doesn't feel like 
an inevitability, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, so to use like Kale as an example, I think August, like when he was doing Kale, he was kind of uh, a, a little upset about it when, when it came to the wild because he was like, okay, well, Kale is like so useless early game that the late game has to be so strong and an, an inevitability, like when you finally get to that stage, um, and that and that was one of his his regrets because he felt like he didn't deliver on that. Uh, right, you want you want to again kind of contract right. like exactly. the extremes. Yeah. So to your point, I think yeah, it's generally a good principle to like make sure that there's interaction along the entire way of the process, and then scaling is not so much of an issue. It's mainly an issue when it's like okay, well. The, the champion is so weak in the early game that it has to win at late game. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and if it doesn't have the mechanics built in for that, then then that's where we have an issue. Uh, so to jump in on the like interaction, right? You're yep. talking about like you guys want there to be interaction in the game, and that like <laughs> brings me kind of to yep. pro. Yep. Yeah. Um, so like I, I did a, a lot of looking at actual like game times and stuff across the leagues. I think most most people's public perception is that oh the game's gotten way slower. Mm -hmm. It has compared to MSI, um, but MSI was very fast, and also there was uh, a lot of like you know, stronger teams beating up on weaker teams, which does increase the game time. So MSI stats are a little bit flawed, um, but I compared a lot of like, so like LPL spring playoffs to LPL summer. LPL actually got faster. LEC, LEC spring playoffs to LEC summer. LPL or LEC actually got faster. LCS is, is very similar. The only one, you know, LCS is like 10, 20 seconds apart. The only one that was a significant change as far as game time uh, was the LCK, which is like a full shock. two minute, two minutes slower. <laughs> what a were, shock. They were yeah. already the slowest region. Mm -hmm. So I do think that like that is still a concern. Um, but one thing that across the board is true is that there's just less kills in the game. So, you know, LPL was already the bloodiest region. It, it still remains that, but it went from 30 average kills a game to 25. This is again, playoffs to summer. Um, LCS went from, you know, 26 to 20, which is like a massive drop off. LEC went from you know 28 to 23, LCK uh, 26 to, to 21, right? So like these are you know 20 ish or more percent of the yeah. kills reduce, um, and to me like at least from eye test, interaction early game is at an all time low, right? People do not seem to care about, uh, all right, just give up not only the first two dragons, actually, we'll just give up dragon yeah. number three as well. Uh -huh. Now, I don't necessarily think that's correct, but that does seem to be happening. And when there's not incentive to actually have conflict on the map, it's, let's just be it's honest, it, it's just not fun to watch, right? Like, when people are like, yeah, sure, like, we're just going to get 500 more gold top lane, or we're going to take, like, a couple of your camps topside, and you can have that third dragon. Yeah, sure, you can have this, we'll take that. Like, so, so kind of how are you feeling about early game, especially in pro, and, like, pro in general, losing such a significant amount of kills, like, you know, 20% or whatever-ish over across the leagues? Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, I'll talk a little about high level and then Tim can talk specifics. There's a few things there. One is what are the, what are the, firstly we're trying to think about like root cause, like why is the, why are the kills being reduced so much? Um, one of those reasons is, you know, what does the meta look like? So we noticed enchanters kind of getting a lot stronger. Um, the second Harder thing is, in yeah. because of, again, durability. Right, yeah. and it's like we wanted to make some um, preventative mitigations kind of before uh, if you notice, we uh, nerfed healing by 10% across the board, and we nerfed healing by you know 10 to almost 30% across the board. Um, so the first thing is meta. The second thing is incentives for aggression. Um, so these are things like early heralds, early dragons. We noticed at MSI a lot of teams were just giving up um, early dragons. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a lot of debate about you know is it better to sack first dragon to take first herald. Um, so those are the two main things, incentives and um, 
champion meta, and Tim can talk a little too. Yeah, so I think the data you presented actually tells a really good story, right? Our game endings things, like these are going to be Baron, Elder, Ocean Soul, Dragon Soul, they work, right? And so teams are still fighting that, and the game usually ends quickly after. So the game time is not significantly changed, but as Matt mentioned, that risk reward of fighting, going for kills early, seems off right now. It might change, it might not, but right now it doesn't seem as exciting for the players. And we want people to want to take risks getting kills yeah. in solo queue and in pro. That's what makes the game fun. Um, and I think we have a few options we can look at. Um, on the objective side, it might just be that the objectives are not worth fighting over, right? It's like, okay, Maybe if they're the stronger at this point, just give them the Rift Herald, it's not worth losing the game and losing waves and a bunch of kills and tempo yeah. for that Rift Herald, which is what, two plates right now if you don't do anything else with it. Or the first Dragon buff, the second Dragon buff, maybe even the third Dragon buff, because it could be that risk reward thing is, if we go to that fourth Dragon fight and we have three Dragon buffs, but they have Zeri, Kog'Maw, Kale, they might feel even, which doesn't seem right for the balance of those Dragon buffs. Mm -hmm. So that's something we could look at. Mm -hmm. The other side is he touched on the chilling effects, which are enchanters um, have a lot of chilling effects when they're bot lane and strong and the dominant, we'd obviously like them to be a little I bit closer. chilling effects, you mean like reducing action? Yeah, exactly. So game. this could be, uh, enchanters probably aren't going to kill you in lane, especially in a pro lane. Um, <laughs> they're going to force you to base. And Don't lane. talk to my bottom lanes, okay? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to I try to tell them the same thing. <laughs> I know, I play Battle Soraka and run in and kill myself, but you know, in pro, that probably won't happen. Yeah. Um, they're also worse at getting vision proactively because yeah. They still do die if you face check into two people, three Harder people. Harder all in, le there's less engage. Yeah. Exactly. Worth so if you're disadvantaged at an objective, you're not going to be able to get and fight for that vision, so you're just going to give it more often. Mm -hmm. yep. They also incentivize, as a force multiplier, to play the scaling ADCs that aren't going to be as aggressive in lane. So you're going to play like Cog Lulu, we've seen a couple times, or yep. Mages and Seraphine, like stuff like that, mm -hmm. not going to be that aggressive. Um, so we could look at, and we're not opposed to drawing back uh, enchanter base durability. So maybe they're a little bit weaker in lane because they have such good upside. Mm -hmm. They're still gonna feel more durable, but if a Nautilus is gonna hit you or a Blitz is gonna hit you with a hook and you're not gonna ever die, then there's, why would you not just play the super safe low variance mm -hmm. way? And so those are big things we can look at. Mm -hmm. It also just might be ganks are too hard, laners are too healthy all the time. Yeah. Um, it's like if I'm sitting on Corrupting Pot and three biscuits, I'm never getting to a point where I'm gonna die to a gank. Mm -hmm. So we just farm it out, right? So uh, it's interesting too, yeah, because you mentioned a couple of like uh, objective things that you can do to encourage people to fight over stuff. Um, would it be beneficial and have you thought about just increasing the reward and incentive for a single kill on someone early? Like if, if the reward on just killing someone is that much higher than just farming it out, um, could be another way of like incentivizing even like, oh, if you want more assassin picks back in, then it, you can actually get rewarded for, you know, more early game and more, more action to take place. Yeah, so one thing is um, changing fundamental building blocks like that have tend to have kind of really mm -hmm. unpredictable cascading effects. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, if we wanted to do something like that, we would probably want to try and make it more localized. Um, mm -hmm. So if, if it was just like, oh, like more incentives for assassins specifically to get kills, as opposed to buffing kills across the board, because kills kill gold across the board has kind of a lot of downstream implications on, okay, well, ADC is mostly by damage, for example, right? And so they're not really buying durability with the gold. So it like, it throws out uh, the, the relative balance of like durability versus damage if we do things like that. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of like kind of downstream 
uh, hard to predict considerations when we do changes like that. More chaos, more action, maybe more blood. I could also see it going the opposite way, where people are like, ooh, kills are worth a lot of gold. I don't want to give up any of those. Yeah, exactly. And then you you don't have the 35 minute first blood, you have the 42 minute first blood. (laughs) If I die, the game is over. Exactly, right? So like, because I I, I think that would cause a lot of action in solo queue, but again, in pro, people are, are so like, you know, mm-hmm. lo- like they're always trying to play low variance. Yeah. Um, I do think like also, I mean, you touched on a little bit with, with ganks, but like one of the things that I've heard a lot from, from pro junglers is just the idea that, okay, everyone's more healthy, everyone's playing more scaling. So there's, when two people are playing scaling lane, there's less trading, yep. everyone's sitting at mm-hmm. full health, they're harder to gank. Yep. So the gank is, is less rewarding on average. And if I go for this gank, the other jungler's gonna take my camps. Yep. Because yep. at the pro level, people will always punish with cross map plays and like, with invades and stuff. Um, which is obviously something that like happens in solo queue, but much less, right? People yeah. are, are worse at tracking where what camps are up and like how many camps they've done. So people just tend to say, all right, well, I can go for this gank. Probably not going to work though. And then I'm going to lose Krugs or I'm yeah. going to lose, you know, Krugs and Raptors or I'm going to get double scuttled. And now I'm down on the XP and I can't fight for Dragon. Yeah. So people just say, all right, six camps, do scuttle, base. There are some teams that are obviously bucking the trend. So like theoretically, you know, maybe some of the teams have the wrong read on the meta. I know there was, I think it was a Broken Blade interview from LAC where they're saying like, no, they think you should be playing more aggressive. And they were doing this like Yone, Deanna, Yasuo, like, you know, like scaling stuff, but like aggressive. And obviously uh, TL, I think most people would point to as the team that has looked the best in, in LCS. Mm-hmm. And they're obviously playing, you know, very aggressive. Yep. Um, so it's not 100% that like, you know, everyone has the right read. But clearly, like there is just less action, and like, do you think it's really mostly just oh, like enchanters are too good, and if enchanters are nerfed, engage comes back in, and that changes things, or do you think that like there's issues with with risk versus reward for jungle at pro play as well? Um, I do think that. I think another thing that's worth unpacking there is just um, skill required to generate an advantage. Mm-hmm. So, let's say, let's say that executing a play in general, like let's say the uh, a three v three turret dive, right? Mm-hmm. You need kind of to be either very ahead uh, or have an insane skill gap against the team that you're playing against uh, to execute those on the patch. The, this patch compared to last patch, for example, right? Previously, you could just be like, okay, well, let's focus this person, one-shot them immediately, and then it's instantly yeah. a 3v2, we drop aggro, right? Now it might be like, okay, well, we need to stay in a little longer. Maybe we're tanking one of those you know, extra tough. fatty turret shots and, and, and we're potentially getting traded back on. So there's... It kind of makes uh, low variance, like easy to execute strategies, like more rewarded. I think that's a, an, another issue that's like kind of worth talking about. The other thing is just that I think Pro, as it's gone on, has kind of optimized out a lot of the interesting trading patterns. You know, like winning lane now is not, oh, did I kill them? It's I got a good reset <laughs> and I got yeah. good vision, right? Yeah. And and that's something that you know I haven't been like super People thrilled with as tests, yeah, usually. like exactly like the evolution of League of Legends over time, right? It's like it's not like season three clown meta, right? Like and you're like, oh man, I'm just gonna stay in lane at low health and like you know, like <laughs> yeah. try and continue trading and like potentially die. There are like some of the best <laughs> players in the world though do play like that, yeah. which is really interesting, right? Yeah. But it's kind of like you're talking about. It's just way easier to yes. play this one style, exactly. and unless you think that there is this massive skill gap, yeah. But like, it's it's that's what makes I think some of those players so exciting at pro when you when you have these players who are just yeah. playing like like crazy people right yeah, who are yeah. who are like going to trade on every single wave are gonna try to exactly. push the pace are gonna get down to ten percent but you're a five yeah. percent and like 
you know, almost yeah. becomes that yeah. game of chicken. But it, like, you know, if you're that much better and you believe that you're always going to outplay them, I feel like that's kind of like almost the LPL mindset exactly. about a lot of stuff. And that's why there are more kills. Because a lot of people talk about, you know, like why does LPL fight over nothing? But having talked to, to some people and, and coaches and players and things like that, it's like a lot of times LPL coaches and teams are looking at it like, no, we're not fighting over nothing. Like the whole point of the game is find, finding like winning fights and, and creating opportunities where we can basically outplay you. Yeah. Because like we're better than you. So like we're going to fight over this pink ward or we're going to yep. fight over this thing mm -hmm. because it's giving us an opportunity to like, basically, you know, get get an advantage. Yeah, exactly. It's like, a, it's a thresholded thing, right? It's like, okay, do you have the requisite skill to kind of play perfectly and be able to punish? If you're not above that level of, of skill, then it's better to play the safe strategy, yeah. right? And that's kind of a, yeah, it's, it's a very interesting kind of meta effect, I guess. Um, and LCK that. is the inverse of that though, right? Because yeah. LCK is obviously like historically like the best region over the last four years or whatever, obviously LPL has, has, has kind of passed them. Yeah. Um, but like historically, you know, LCK is still the best and they're obviously, even though they aren't winning as many international titles, they're still like in the finals and, and right there and in three twos and stuff like that. And they are the slowest region and <laughs> yeah. always have been, yeah. right? They were the double sidestone region in the past. Now they're playing, you know, 35 minute first blood games <laughs> and like 35 minute game time average, like way slower than all the other regions. So it's, it's, it's like, kind of, you know, like, are you guys okay with there being such stark differences between the regions? Or like, is it a problem if there's there's one region that's like so slow or if even a couple regions are so slow? Hmm. I think uh, I think in general, it's really a positive viewer experience for these different metas to play out. We kind of saw this at MSI, right? It's like, okay, well, LCK plays, you know, in a certain way. Um, LPL plays in a certain way. NA is picking a lot of on and stuff. It's it's you know like it's it's and um, you know LCK was playing a lot of Caitlyn, right? It's like okay, well, we could nerf Caitlyn because we suspect you know she's strong in the hands of LCK or you know maybe other regions will pick it up. But honestly, like a lot of the time when these meta effects are playing out, it's just more interesting for everyone involved when they get to play out naturally. Yeah. And so you know we tend to not you know tip our hand too much. Uh, in, in, when, when those things are happening. Yeah, I definitely like to see it actually played out, you know, so we have these differences that can then come together and you really figure out who's got the, the you know, better take, better handle on the meta. Um, circling back to the Enchanters and something that has kind of tacked on to Enchanters and, and the power that they've been gaining is the, the Grievous Wound stuff. So like, like you said at the beginning, you did nerf uh, healing across the board uh, but then it also like reduced the effectiveness of Grievous Wounds while then giving like generic um, stats to the items. What was, what was kind of the goal with that? Because it does feel like it kind of reduces the focus of that item, you know, yeah. uh, and makes it more generic. Uh, yeah, so there's a few things. I, I can talk to the high level and Tim can talk to the <laughs> specifics, but generally we want to put Grievous Wounds Grievous Wounds has been like really powerful in the past, uh, you know, few years since we since we updated it to sixty percent. We found that that had like some pretty negative effects uh, on the league ecosystem in general. One was champions uh, when cha when new champions were developed, their healing needed to be at kind of an unreasonable level when Grievous Wounds was not in the game, uh, because mm -hmm. when Grievous Wounds was purchased against them, then it would make their uh, healing tools like non-functional, if that makes sense. So it's at a 60% Grievous Wounds value, so Mundo's healing needs to be so strong. around having a 60% exactly. Grievous Wounds in the game yeah. because it's expected. Yeah, and that's a significant tax on 
um, our ability to balance champions and make satisfying mechanics. So that's one, one reason why Grievous Wins was being high was didn't play out in, in a desirable way. Um, the second is that, you know, if everyone has to buy Grievous Wounds items because they're so powerful for the Grievous Wounds effect, then it just makes it so that you can't buy the items that you want to buy. Like, I want to buy Rapid Fire Cannon. Oh, no, I have to buy Mortal Reminder. Yeah, right? it's like, not, it, not as fun. Yeah, it's not, it's not as fun, right? Um, so um, Tim and Game Analysis team and, and uh, put a lot of thought into kind of how we were trying to balance Grievous Wounds. Um, and we kind of let it sit in the wild at 50%, and we're like, oh, hmm. yeah, we can probably take this down a little more and then just try and balance around that. So, so um, uh, just to, to jump in, so do you think, like, I have two quick questions on that. A, do you think too much durability is tied up into sustain, right? And then B, um, when you're talking about, like, nerfing Grievous Wounds so that people can buy, like, you know, more fun items, I totally buy that, but then why make the items generically stronger, right? Like, like buffing AD on the items just makes them like generically good items, like uh, Hex Punk Chainsword or whatever it's called, right? It's yeah. just Kempunk. like just is just like a generically super efficient item now, right? Mm -hmm. So isn't that kind of like pushing people just like just buying the items no matter what? Yeah, I mean, if if an, <laughs> if a Grievous Wounds item is so strong that you would just buy it for the stats, then yeah, we've we've done something wrong <laughs> there. I think Mortal Reminder has, you know been this on like Yasuo and Yone, for yeah. example, at, yeah. at some points. Um, Morello's in the past has also been this. I think that's like a pretty undesirable state. Uh, but the general philosophy is the healing in the game needs to be at a certain amount for a Grievous Wounds item to be optimal. I wouldn't say that they're necessarily at that, at that, at that uh, tuning level right now, but that's the state that we want to go to. And you know, it'll be up to you know Tim and uh, whoever else is doing this. <laughs> You're like, no, my job. So it's Tim's fault. It's not Tim's fault. When Fiora presses, it's probably my fault. Heals for one K instantly. It's Tim's fault. I'll remember that in my next game. Next time it gets gorgeous. Well, you were playing Kale. He also plays Fiora, so he should be like, thanks, Tim. Thanks, Tim. Yeah. No. I think a big takeaway we can have from Grievous Wounds beyond like why we nerfed it is that. We probably agree that like Grievous Runes is healthier long term, um, at a lower, maybe even like a much more narrow, uh, it's like not everyone can buy it level. Mm. I wouldn't say this is a perfect state right now, and this is not. I honestly, in an ideal world, we're not going to leave it in this state. So that's why it seems a little bit weird that oh we nerfed it and then buffed the items because straight up like, at the time we were just like we can have a small window to nerf Grievous Runes because the game is changing so much. Yeah. Um, and these are the quick stats we could do. Yeah. We would probably want to make either Grievous Moon sharper, uh, make the items more satisfying, make them like less punishing the stack, mm -hmm. so that they're just less generically like, oh, if Grievous Moon is bad, you just buy it for the stats, or if the stats are bad, you buy it for the Grievous Moons. That's a pretty like binary state that we don't really prefer in the long term. Um, yeah. And so we're going to look at potentially finding better ways to have anti-healing mechanics in the game. Um, it's probably not zero Grievous Runes, it's probably not 60. Mm -hmm. It's probably somewhere in between. And it's a really tough system because there's, you know, I'm the one, we had to, when we did the durability update, I went through every single shield and heal in the game with our team. There's a lot, right? Yeah. And you're touching <laughs> almost every single champion in the game, even in minuscule amounts, yeah. and it pushes them a lot up and down. And so yeah. finding the greatest way to feel like you have a fighting chance against that team that has Soraka and four other healers, Versus the person playing Soraka and Fiora doesn't feel like, okay, they bought one item, I just am playing 20% of a champion. Beth. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. it's like, 
Yeah. We're probably not there right now, and I don't think we're the happiest. Um, I do think of blind, like the components might be a little bit weak mm-hmm. right now, and they might not feel like they're doing much enough. But also buying five of them is probably not the output we want either because yeah. now you have five boring items and you're not cutting their <laughs> healing by more. You just yeah. get an enchanter and then yeah. they can apply Grievous Suits to Exactly. Your so like, <laughs> that is like a potential avenue. I'm not going to say that exact thing, but it's like, yeah. oh, maybe if like we expect one or two roles to have these exciting items within their own class. Like if the support enchanter item was really cool, it wasn't just press a button and mm-hmm. give it to everyone. It's like, oh, like my tank with a cool thorn mail or my enchanter with a cool like Grievous Suits item. They were the ones who were going to do it, or it's on a few kits. That could be exciting. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that's what we're going to do. Yeah. But that is much less of it. Don't promise anything. Exactly. <laughs> Don't expect it on the next patch. But it's like, that's probably better than being Guaranteeing. like, oh, everyone buys the Quicksilver Sash tax, or everyone buys the Grievous yeah. Room tax for Fiora. Now it's just expected, right? Yeah. Okay. So I like, you know, we've established and we have the internal data. The durability patch did, in fact, increase durability. <laughs> Good yes, job. It did. You know, slightly longer games, yeah. uh, slightly less kills. Uh, I'd like a high level and, and kind of look towards where the next, like, most immediate goals you have for where the game is going to go. Ideal game state. Exactly. But some some kind of uh, specific things that you want to hit, because there was one that I actually really liked the reasoning that was put, um, that was then pulled back, was the the lethality buffs that were right after the dur- durability patch, which, of course... Everybody, I think, was correct in reacting and being like, wait a second, you just wanted to increase durability, and now you're going to increase lethality. Uh, It seems very uh, diametrically opposed. Mm. But the reasoning of trying to have assassins build assassin items so that they're squishy and they're building damage, I did like. I don't want my assassins to be building Gore Drinker to one-shot me and also have a lot of sustain. Uh, So is... Is that kind of goal one of the one of the ones that's like still in the works in a different iteration, maybe? Um, and and kind of yeah, the the ideal state of the game, I guess. Where where's our our future meme of uh, the the perfect <laughs> world we're heading towards? So I think the ideal state is all classes have a unique reason for being in the game. Um, they have a unique advantage that their class brings, um, and all the classes are relatively balanced against each other. I think that's like kind of our you know, short to midterm goal. We're definitely not there right now, right? Assassins are in a, a dubious state. They kind of... <laughs> some of them. Some of them are actually... them build fighter items, right? Yeah, and like Kiana them, and stuff. Half is, them are building assassin yeah. items, right? Um, and, you know, enchanters are obviously being strong. But there's there's kind of a few things there. One is, yeah, we, we are still planning to get rid of the fighter items on assassins. We don't think it's appropriate if they're tanky and still able to kill you. Uh, the second thing is we do want... One, one common misconception with the durability update is that we wanted to nerf assassins. Not strictly true. We did want to, we did want to hit more of the instances where you know Blitzcrank, Blitzcrank is running at you with full support items and still just one shots you randomly. Mm. Um, so I wouldn't say that it, it it was the primary goal to nerf either Blitzcrank or nerf assassins. Uh, you know that type of pattern, but. It definitely wasn't purely to nerf assassins. It was kind of just to bring the, the damage down of everyone. And assassins are still meant to kill you, right? Like, what is an assassin if they're not meant to kill you? They're a fighter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're exactly, jobless. Exactly. And, 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 yeah, and, and that's kind of like the, the world where we're in right now, right? And so it's like, we need to think very intentionally about the ways that we give assassins power, right? Like, and I think what we did was we were thinking, okay, well, we could just give them back the burst damage because assassins are the class that's meant to kill you. And that was our original tactic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then we kind of thought about it a little more and we're like, oh, 
okay, well, maybe that's actually not the best way to deliver this power. And so that's kind of why we decided to pull the buffs and just be a little more intentional about it, right? Yeah. Um, because, for example, let's say that we increased the move speed of all assassins in the game, <laughs> in the early game, right? J just as a hypothetical example. Assassins get more damage off that, right? Because they're more likely to get more gold. They're more likely to get gold, which will give them more damage later in the game, for example, right? And so it's like we need to be very intentional about how we're delivering the power, uh, what the power curve of that power delivery is. And so we're doing a lot of that analysis right now. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. Oh, did you have something? Oh, yeah. I mean, he kind of nailed it, but assassins are like the talking point because they're the biggest one. But like the long-term goal for the ability update is every class feels like they do something special and that extends to their damage, their systems and everything like that. It's like we buffed tanks on 12.11 because, well, they felt less special, everyone was more durable and what they bought in the shop was less valuable. They didn't feel like they had a place. Mm -hmm. um, assassins, people are gonna reference win rates a lot. We're just like, oh, assassins are fine. 80 assassins are fine. That could be true, but a lot of them have outlets in other 80 items, right? They could be building Black Cleaver, they could be building Gore Drinker and stuff like that. And that's a nice fallback. And if you actually look at the AP Assassins, they don't have as good of a fallback if you're not like a Kali and can build like Demonic and stuff like that. And you see their win rates drop. And so they don't have a unique niche. And people want to play Zed and Kiana to have that satisfying strategic moment of like the ADC stepped out of position. I'm going to be playing a knife for that and kill them. And if they're playing like a fighter and they're playing like Riven or Fiora, that's honestly like just less fun for those players. And we want to make sure we want to retain that in the long term. And so that's going to be our long term goal. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, both of you, uh, for taking the time to, to talk to us and share all your insight. Yep. Uh, and now we're going to say goodbye. And through the power of editing, Mark is going to join us. Thank you again to our special guests, Froxen and True XY, for joining us. Let us know what you thought of it. And what are you, what are you doing? You didn't do the regular outro. <laughs> this is the regular outro. And if we uh, do more stuff Good. with League devs in the future, that'll wrap it up for now. And remember, if you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode of The Dive when we return. You can also check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor.fm. And remember to submit your questions. We love hearing from you on Twitter, YouTube comments, or again on Anchor.fm. We do. The LCS continues Saturday at 1 p.m. PST with Dig and Toss vs. Cloud9. Don't miss the premiere of the Berserker Sven Botlane. We'll see you then. See you then.